So I don't know how long it'll last, but if I'm going to get through two sermons and some friends and a Super Bowl and a grocery run and all of those things, I, I, I stayed right here on the stool at nine. And somebody said, well, where were you? You know, I didn't see you between 10 and 11. You're always out here. Well, if I was going to make it through this after two and a half weeks of a virus, I, I, I needed to kind of not be out, out here. So uh, I won't lie, I had already preached the sermon. I was watching cooking videos. Uh, so I got, I, I know how, how it works. All right. Thank you, though. Um, <clears throat> anywho, let me do a rapid catch up, all right, of where we have been. We're in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 3 today, all right? And we have done what we call the, the introductions. We know who wrote it, who we're writing to, kind of important. We, we have done the birth narratives, which is uh, the announcements that Jesus is going to be born, his birth, all right? And this is the transition between, all right, that and Jesus' ministry. And last week in the first part of John or Luke, chapter 3, we saw or were introduced to the adult version of John the Baptist. In the first nine verses, we, we, we know where he is, we see what Isaiah says about him, and then we listen to his words. Now, I don't have time to go through all that, but here's the three things that you need to know heading into today, all right? First, John was exactly what Isaiah said he was going to be. He was a, a friend of God. He was a, 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 a cousin of the Messiah. He grew up with Jesus, and he took on his role and went out into the wilderness and began to preach what the Bible calls a baptism of repentance, a baptism of repentance. I'm going to swing back to that after I say this, all right? He was also the one who would make the path straight for the Lord, all right? He was to pave the way or carve out the road or smooth the way for the coming of the Messiah who he knew, all right? So we're not talking about chronologically paving the way. Jesus is already there, but Jesus hasn't begun what we call his earthly ministry. That's the rest of the book, okay? John is paving or making straight the way by beginning to preach differently. Let me tell you, for most of you who have been in church all your life, let me give you a little bit of, a, of an illustration to hold on to. I had a friend of mine that I, actually we haven't talked on the phone in probably eight to ten years. Stephen was in the first service. Heather's in this service. But this guy and I were pretty close when I was the youth minister here. There was a guy named Phil Champion, and there was me, and then there was Tim Lettingham from Southern Heights. Well, Tim called me two or three days ago. And uh, he was in uh, my first wedding. He was a groomsman, all right? So, I mean, we, we were close. Uh, we used to play golf together. He still plays golf with the guy that's doing our accounting here at church right now. They still play together every week. Um, and he's asking me about churches because um, he's, a, he's a great guy. He's been a youth minister at two or three places. He's now been a pastor at four places. He moved to this place with a lot of hopes and just with timing and with COVID and with the way the church has gone, he is uh, a guy that's 20 years, 25 years into great ministry, and he's uh, been relocated to kind of a part-time experience. His family just bought a home. He's just, he called me up and he said, hey, I got to ask you about a couple of churches that I'm looking at. And he knew I was going to be honest. I'm not going to name any churches in this room. I wouldn't do that. But the conversation that we had to have was very simple. Do you, do you want to pastor and preach and teach the Bible, or do you want to maintain a group of people? Do you want to be the, the head of a rotary club? 
you know, do you want to uh, give enough people a chance to pass on or move on so that the church can come back to life? Or do you want to find a church that's ready to come back to life or that is already alive and healthy? Guys, I'm passionate about that. I didn't write a book to write a book. I, I had a passionate overflow of what a church is supposed to look like. Well, the passionate overflow of God and what he wanted to do to save and change and turn this world upside down uh, needed somebody to come in and prep, all right? Jesus didn't need any help, but that wasn't a part of the plan. John's plan all along was to be the gate, was to be the, the path to the Messiah. Even the people said, we, could, might he be the Messiah? And John's going to tell us what he thought about that today. So that's what's going on. He is preaching this baptism of repentance. And, and what a baptism of repentance is, it is using the same word as we talk about here with the pool. But you don't need to have the image of this baptism in your head. You need to have the definition of baptism in your head, immersion, to submerge, to, to bury under, all right? And he's saying, in order to truly get the salvation that, I am, that, that, that is coming into this world, that this Emmanuel, this Messiah that you're expecting will bring, if you're going to get it, you have to be covered in a baptism of repentance. That is an immersion of turning away from what you've always known. Got it? We need to be totally overwhelmed. A tidal wave of everything the opposite of what you believe is coming. And I'm telling you what it looks like. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, said the great theologian Michael Jackson. You're welcome. It was a joke, but it was funny. The good news is that, that you, you, you've grown up thinking that by your birth or by your name or by what church you went to or by how much you write your checks for, about how often you serve, you, you, you'll, you'll get in. Follow these rules and, and you'll get in. Be born in this family and you'll get in. And, and that's, that, that's, well, bogus. People started to hear. We're going to get into this at the end. And they started to realize how, how good this news really was. The good news, the gospel means good news. How good this news really was. So that's where we are. And the people have heard this. And it is landing on their ears and they're going back into town. They're bringing people back out by the Jordan, back out of the wilderness. And they're going back and they're bringing more people out. And then other people are like, what's going on out there? And preachers are starting to come out. Sadducees and Pharisees are starting to come out. Roman staff people are starting to come out. Sinners and saints are starting to come out, and they're all standing around together going, what in the world? And he preaches, and that's where we pick this up. As soon as the gospel, the good news comes out, that's where we are right now. Okay, ready? What do we do then? Okay, a baptism of repentance, and, and, and they call it the fruits. What are the fruits? of a baptism of repentance. What does my life look like if I buy into what you're saying? All right? So the crowd, and it's important, what should we do then? The crowd asks. Okay, that's group number one. That's going to be important later. Teaching today, not preaching. Teaching. I'm going to preach a little, but teaching. All right. <coughs> John said, okay, anyone who has two shirts should share with one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. 
We're going to come back. Let me read first. Even tax collectors, group number two, came to be baptized. Something's happening in their hearts, right? Teacher, what should we do? You see right here the mindset that they have. I, I, I know what everybody thinks of me. I know that I'm a sinner. What do I have to do? Well, it's not about do. It's a response to what will be done. But I have an answer for you too. Hey, don't collect more than you are required to. See, the people, and again, I'm going to come back and hit this stuff, but the people wanted John to punch them in the snout. Okay, and I'm going to tell you why later. And John didn't. John didn't even condemn him. He didn't say quit your job. That's what the crowd was expecting. You quit your job and you go be a preacher. You quit your job and you come be the VBS coordinator. No, don't take more than you're required. Then the soldiers. Roman soldiers. There are no soldiers in the like Jewish, no, Roman soldiers. And what should we do? Oh, hearts are starting to turn. The word comes out and hearts are starting. Don't extort money. Don't accuse falsely. Hey, if somebody does something wrong, they do something wrong. Do your job. Put the cuffs on. But, but, but don't, don't say somebody did something that, that they didn't do. Don't steal, don't lie. Be content with what you have. You've been given and provided for. Be content in that. The people were waiting expectantly. And they were all wondering in their hearts if John might be the Messiah. So John is prophetic. We talked about that because he knows what's going on there. Because it doesn't say they spoke it. They were wondering in their hearts. And John answers them. Okay, let me just say, when you're around really spiritual people, have you ever been around somebody who's, who's really, really like in the scriptures, got it going on, all right, and they're talking to you? And, and you ever said a preacher, you feel like they're talking directly to you, like they knew something they couldn't possibly know? All right, so they're thinking it. And John goes, let me just address that. And everybody goes, ooh. I baptize you with water, all right? I got a squirt gun and a smile, all right? We're, you know. But one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I can't, I shouldn't even touch this guy's shoestrings. I got, I'm, I'm happy. God's using me. But, but I'm not even close. And then I love this. I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you, which is what he's been talking about. But then he says, with the Holy Spirit and fire. People, there are going to be two responses to this verse. Holy Spirit and fire, everybody either turns to Acts chapter 2, which also written by Luke, and the, the fire tongues come down and the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes down, but that's not this. This is two separate things. This is an immersion in two things, and you need to understand it because it's a contrast, but it's also a complement. Contrast, also a complement. Listen, the Holy Spirit and fire is not two, two of the same thing. It's one thing and another thing. Listen. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and gather the wheat to the barn. But he will burn fire, burn up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. Here's what he says in, in, in terms you can understand today. Lest you forget the good news is completely good news. And no matter how you feel, that good news involves a heaven that God is coming to claim his people for. And it also involves a hell where everybody else ends up. Listen to me. And that whole sentence 
the whole sentence is good news. Listen, you can't understand the preciousness of the light until you've been in darkness. You can't understand the power of love until you felt the pain of hatred. You can't understand the power of community unless you've been buried in the barren desert of loneliness. And heaven is not a reward if everyone gets there. Think about what I just said. Saved you from what? Something to be saved from. Lest there's no reason for him to come. And this is good news. Many other words John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news. I want you to think about that word exhorted because that's the part most of us don't want, but we have to understand that that's good news too. I'll circle back to that. I know that circle back is a fun political phrase right now. Don't do that. All right. Let's look at the three sets of people real quick that ask John a question. The crowd. That's every man. That's all, all people struggling to be who they were created to be, trying to figure out what Michael W. Smith called 30 years ago, my place in this world. My place in this world. How do I, how do, I do this thing? It's the people who came to hear, all right? The, the Jewish community that John grew up in and, and, and was a part of. It's, 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 the, it's the regular folks, okay? And he says, if you are truly a part of this baptism of repentance, it does not involve Jews only. It does not involve church people only. It is not exclusive to white people only. It is not exclusive to the Chinese or the Vietnamese or the black or the white. It is not exclusive to the Baptist or the Presbyterians, all right? None of that is true. But if you truly believe that this Jesus, this Messiah is, that's how I have to refer to him in this point in the story. This Messiah is coming for you and you are truly going to turn to him. The fruits of that look like this. If somebody has two shirts and somebody has none, then you both have one. And I've got to get up because I need you to hear me. There is a ton of teaching in here financially. There is a ton of teaching in here about real giving. There's a ton of teaching in here about what the stimulus package ought to look like. Whether you agree with it or not, you need to take it up with this right here. You know the biggest problem we're having right now is everybody thinks that everybody needs to be treated exactly the same. So Bill Gates should get the stimulus because Jacob does. No, really. Really? So, so here's what the verse would say if that were true. If you have three shirts, hand them out to whoever's standing next to you, whether they have a shirt or not. Let me ask you a question. How many shirts can a guy wear? Not layered, but how many shirts does a person need to be covered? One. So if there's one body and three shirts, and there are two people there with no shirts, then the idea is everybody gets a shirt. 
Read the Proverbs. Look at the way Jesus divvied out the manna. Take what you need for today. Why? Because I will be there tomorrow. And the more that you have, the less reliance there is on Him. And the good news is, He will never leave you or forsake you. But you will get in debt. Your money will run out. You will lose your job. Things will end, but Jesus won't. So why do we think that when we amass these things, I'll tell you why we think it, because we don't understand how to live life in community like they did. In that community, you did, if, if the guy next to you had Tostitos and you had salsa, you shared I've used this over and over again. But hey, listen, folks, it's Super Bowl Sunday, and we're going to need the onion guy to chip in, and we're going to need the cilantro guy to step up, and we're going to need the jalapeno guy to bring the spice, and we're going to need the tomato guy to give us some tomatoes. Hunt's got to get on it. And if you use anything other than Hunt's, there's a special place in food um, purgatory for you. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. But listen to me, that's the way they saw things in the Jewish culture. When you needed something, what do I need? Bread. I'm going to the bread guy's house. What am I going to take the bread guy? Well, I've got potatoes. So I'm taking the potatoes to the bread guy, I'm getting some bread, and now we've all got everything. We've lost that. Now we've, we don't all got everything, we all just want everything. And so we're like, oh, two shirts. Well, who do, who do I think should have the shirt? That's seriously what, I mean, that's what's going on. And we argue about who gets to decide. Who gets to decide who has the shirt? And you know what John says? John says the fruits of a real believer are this. You got two shirts, you find the guy with no shirt and give him a shirt. It's pretty simple. And if you got plenty of food and you're not hungry, find the hungry person and give them food. Do not find the hungry person and give them money. That's not what it says. Do not find a hungry person and give them a shirt. That will not taste good. Do not find, oh, you ready for this, church? Do not find the hungry person and hand them a track. Can I get a witness? Do not find the hungry person and make a cross in front of your face and tell them you'll pray for them. You get them some SpaghettiOs. I'm serious. It's a blessing right there. Meatballs only. Group number one is the crowd. And here's what he says to the crowd. Learn to be a community again. And the fruits of that will make all the difference. Let me translate for you now. Even if we all in this room tithe 10%, if... Everyone in this room tied 10%. We couldn't afford the six staff that we need. We couldn't afford to pay the 30 children's workers that we need. We couldn't afford to pay the 10 youth workers that we need. We couldn't do all that. But if we don't have as much money as the next guy, maybe you can be one of the workers. Maybe you can be one of the singers. Maybe you can be one of the players. Maybe you can be one of the cleaners. If everybody does what they can do, the church has everything it What's next, John says? The tax collectors. Do you know why he used tax collectors? Because the crowd hated them. Do you know why? 
because they used to be a part of the crowd, and now they work for the most condemning government that there's ever been that's trying to suppress and take everything away from them. And they're not only working for them, but they're working for them in their families and taking money from their families. They are the evilest of evil because they are working for one but are at home with the rest. Awful. It's awful. It's, you know what it is now? It's the person who was really, 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 really a good believer and a good friend and a wise individual for you to talk to a year ago that over the last three months you've realized that you're so far apart in your thinking and your ideology that you can't even fathom how they could feel that way and they can't even fathom how you can feel that way and neither one of you are bad people and both of you call yourselves Christians, but you're so far apart that you don't even get it and now you can't even talk that this person. Well, good, John's about to put him in his... The crowd, when the tax collector says it, the crowd's like, oh, hellfire and brimstone is on its way. You know what John said? Hey, keep doing what you're doing, man. That's how the world goes around. Just don't take more than is yours. Hey, you got a job, do your job. You know what that means for us believers? When you get saved and when you get Jesus and when you get revived, I do not need you to stop working at the bank. I do not need you to stop working at Walmart. I certainly do not need you to stop working at the bar or, or at the restaurant. That's where God's people need to be. Go do what you're doing and do it with integrity. Do it with authority. Do it with comfort and compassion and do what you do well. Don't cheat, don't steal. Do your job. Who were the soldiers? They were the physically abusive takers of everything that the Jewish people grew up to be. They were the representation of the government that was going to push down everything they ever knew. And they did it by fear and by power and by taking and by sword, with violence. And so the people really thought John would go off there, right? He's, they're not even one of us. Hey, keep doing what you're doing. Just don't lie, don't cheat. Don't steal. And hey, be content with what you have because if you look around, you have a whole lot more than a lot of these other people. And church, we probably need to hear that more than anything. We'd be whining about what we ain't got. You, you top 3%, everybody in the room. Did you hear what I just said? Everybody in this room is in the top 3% of income on the planet. If you make more than $20,000 in a year, you are in the top 3% of the income on the planet. Nuts. Just keep doing what you're doing. Be comfortable with what you have. All right? Now let me jump here because I don't want to go too long, and, and we're getting to Jesus. The real issue here, and I don't do what I'm about to do very often, but I'm going to today. The real issue is most of us have been doing this for so long, we don't understand how good the news is anymore. And we don't know how to share it because it is great news, and we'll say it's great news, and we'll wear T-shirts about the news, but our lives don't show that the news is good. So I need to remind you why the news is good today. Here's why the news was good that John was preaching, because it was for everyone. And yes, I don't have any theological problem with standing on the stage and saying, you can be saved. I also don't have a problem with saying not all of you will. 
All of you can, not all of you will. Well, Craig, what's the difference? Am I not good enough? Am I not smart enough? No, that's the good news. <laughs> you can't be good enough, smart enough, bright enough, rich enough, poor enough, black enough, white enough, yellow enough, green enough, because red and yellow, black and white, they are what? Precious in his sight. The good news is that all who have ears, let them hear. So I guess we got to worry about the earless ones. But other than that, we're good. Listen to me. The good news is that it's for all of you. The, the, the thing is, you have to take it. It's like a Christmas gift still sitting under a tree, still wrapped, and you staring at it like, is it for me? Yes, it's for you. Yes, it's yours. But until you open it and take it, you don't have it. There is no rule that you have to follow to get you there. There is no family you have to be born into to get you there. There is no church you have to attend to get you there. You get to heaven if you have Jesus. You get to hell if you do not. He who has the Son of God has life. He who does not have the Son of God has life. And that is great news because the package is there. Take the package. You know what else is good about the news? It comes with rules. Wait, no, you're always talking about that over, no, yes, it comes with rules. I need you to see this. And I didn't know this until I was 45 this week, all right, or 46 now, but anyway, and with many other words, John exhorted the people. Do you know what an exhortation is? It is an urging or a call to act a certain way. I exhort you, do not steal. I exhort you, do not kill. I exhort you to give, to serve, to love. There are things that God calls us to do, and that is good news, because if we do those things, our life is better. It is peaceful. It is more comfortable. Well, you don't understand the depression, the suicide, the anxiety, the hate, the fear in this world. I'm telling you those things are in this world because we've decided that the package is ours, but the exhortations can... I'm telling you. I'm telling you that there's a whole lot of the rest, but if we just followed the first ten, it would change the world. The world. I'm telling you that anxiety and depression and hopelessness and loneliness would disappear. Well, Craig, you're no, you're no psychology or sociology or counseling. No, I'm not. I don't have to be. I'm telling you those things exist because we don't have comfort, because we don't have peace. And I'm telling you that when John exhorts us to follow those things, he promises that we will have peace. And that's the good news. With the exhortations come all of the fruits of the baptism of repentance. And when Emmanuel comes and the Spirit of God is given, you get also the fruits of the Spirit, which are love and joy and peace and patience. And where those things are not, guess what? The Spirit is not. And where those things are, that's where the Spirit is. That's how you know a tree, by its fruit. This last section is simple. John did his job. And then his life ended. <laughs> I mean, it was that clear. He preached the baptism of repentance. He said the Messiah is coming. And then the plan went into effect. He had preached against Herod, the king. And Herod had gone and taken his brother's wife, married her, had a kid with her. And John said, actually, you can't do that. And he didn't like that. And the wife didn't like it worse because he basically called her a 
and she didn't care for that very much, and so she gets mad at him. So one night after their child grows up, and she's doing a sultry dance in front of the king who is wasted. True story. It's in the Bible. Look it up. He's wasted. He says, girl, I'm going to give you anything you want. Mom whispers in her ear. She whispers in his, and they bring John the Baptist's head on a plate. This whole thing comes with a little bit of warning, and so I'm going to give it to you. Everything here focuses on two things that the Gospels focus on, too, and you need to hear it. Remember when he talked to the soldiers? It was about what? Money. Don't steal. Don't take what's not yours. Remember when he talked to the tax collectors? It was about money. Don't take, and it's not yours. You know what he's talking about here? Sex. Listen to me. When the predecessor to God preached, he made sure to focus in on two very powerful places. Be careful with the gifts, let me be clear, of money and sex. In and of themselves, they aren't bad, they're wonderful. In our hands, they're a nightmare. I exhort you to follow the rules God set out for them, because in doing so, they are no longer a nightmare, but beyond a dream. And they fill you with love and hope and peace and patience and all of the fruits of the Spirit that come with the gifts God gives. But even in his death, it was good news. What do you mean it was good news? It was good news. He fulfilled his work. He knew the Messiah. And he was now in the home he was actually made for. We are aliens and strangers to this world. This world is not our home. This lying, aching, cheating, stealing, falling apart world is not our home. It's a temporary one-second blip in the shadow of eternity. And John is now where he's always going to be, at the feet of Jesus. So here's my question. Is this life going to be about everything you can get, you can gain, you can grab, and how far you can go? Or are you ready to turn your eyes upon Jesus? Look full in his wonderful face and let the things of this world go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, then your best hope is hell. Not because of who you are or what you've done or the color of your skin, but because that's the rule. Know Jesus, know heaven. If you know Jesus, you will know heaven. It's as simple as that. If you've never given your life to him, I'm begging you. Ask the person sitting right next to you, come and ask me, let's fill this tub up and let's have a party and celebrate what God is doing in your life. When you're baptized in repentance, we're going to baptize you in water, just like John. Please tell me, I will dunk you next week. But you will be covered in him forever. Next week, we start into the ministry and the life of Jesus. I hope you know him. Um, God, I'm just thankful now. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to be in this room with these people. I'm thankful that I can sit on a stool and not worry about um, having to say something impressive or having to say something whole. I can, I can read, and through your Holy Spirit, I can interpret, and through your gifts, I can teach your scriptures, and I can go home, and I can put my head on my pillow, and I can say, God... Thank you for promising me that your word won't return void. 
God, I thank you for John and for Laura. God, I thank you for George and for Damon. God, I thank you for Jessica and for Rachel. God, I thank you for the people in this room who are part of my family. And I exhort you, God. I do. God, I urge and I call upon you, and I'm, I am, I'm begging you, because you, 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 I'm, I'm yours, and you say ask, Dad, so I'm asking. I am begging you to send your Holy Spirit into every single life in this room and whisper to them, this is your job in your community. Do your job. Oh, God, I'm praying that you, I'm, I'm, I'm imploring you to do that. And church, I'm exhorting you to respond. In Jesus' name, amen.